One thing about mama, she is going to make sure that everyone else is taken care of before she even thinks about treating herself. So if you are looking for the perfect gift to make mom feel special this Mother's Day, make sure you check out the Mega Moisture Duo from Osea Malibu because body care is self-care. Since 1996, Osea has been making clean, clinically proven, seaweed-infused skincare. So this Mother's Day, treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GSPP at OseaMalibu.com. Plus, you'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code GSPP for 10% off. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Come on, let's work, let's You can wish for it, or you can work for it. You gotta work for greatness. If you ain't working, you should be working. These are the confessions of a workaholic. Welcome to Confessions of a Workaholic, where we share the success secrets of fearless female entrepreneurs who are obsessed with success. This is your girl, Coriel. So excited to have you back for another week to hear from another boss. This episode is brought to you by Work, Pray, Slay Weekend, which returns to ATL October 31st through November 3rd. For details on how you can attend the biggest and best women's weekend of the year, be sure to log on to workprayslay.com. So today we are talking to Christy Jackson. Christy is an award-winning entrepreneur who was recognized by the White House as a citizen innovator and entrepreneur for her work to better the lives of women through her company, Women CEO Project. Women CEO Project is a global business development firm built specifically for women entrepreneurs. Christy serves as the founder and one of the teachers specializing in business strategy and development, goal mapping, and online strategic marketing. So, Christy, are you ready to confess? I am ready. Woo, child, listen, I had to give you respect with that bio, but it was a tongue twister and that wasn't, that was just a little part of it. So I'm super excited uh, for this conversation because your experience reaches 
far and wide. And I know that you have um, just so much to share. So I always like to start um, by asking what you started your career doing, because I always find it so interesting how our passions tend to lead us away from our profession. So what did you actually start out doing? I started off with a real estate company um, roughly about almost 16 years ago in February. So that is what I was doing at first. And I was kind of struggling with, you know, the real estate company. Um, A lot of people don't know, but there are thousands and thousands and thousands of realtors, especially in Houston, Texas, where I live. We have now almost 30,000 realtors. So it's a hard hustle. And um, that's the business that I was in. And I was trying to figure out basically okay, I've been in real estate roughly about five years now. Okay, how do I become, you know, a better businesswoman? And this is even with an MBA, you know, and I, a, lot, a lot of people ask me questions about going to school and does that help you be a better business person? I will just say, you know, for in my case, no, not necessarily, because I had a full MBA and I still was trying to figure out how to be a better businesswoman. And so I was going to all of the women's Um, events and organizations here in Houston, Texas and the surrounding areas. And I ended up going to all of them. Like I had every single one on my list. I either went to their monthly meeting or an event. And I was really shocked. I was really shocked that no one was talking about actual tactical and practical information like, okay, it's cool for the inspiration. I got you. I heard your story. That's good. How do I make a marketing plan? Um, you know, how do I write a strategic plan? What is a sales funnel? How do I, you know, um, do speaking engagements? Like, how do I do these things? And since I was not finding it after I went to every single one, I remember like the night I went to the last one on my list, I came home and that's the night I started Women's CEO. I was like that frustrated. Um, but that's how I got into Women's CEO project. It was just like, I feel like I need it. I feel like a lot of other women are probably going to need this too, where, We go somewhere for the inspiration, but then we go somewhere for the tactical, the practical, the how-to, and I wanted to create the how-to. I definitely think that the best businesses, like the best teachers, the best leaders, the best coaches are people who built these things or started out from not a struggle, but a place of need. Like you saw the need because you needed it. It was your personal need and you knew that you couldn't be the only one out there with this same struggle. And those, um, in my experience, tend to be like the best businesses because you built it with yourself in mind. You built it really coming from a place of, you know, trying to find a solution and then offer that solution. So 16 years ago, like, and even five years in, um, you know, you've been in business before entrepreneurship was trendy before like Instagram inspired everyone to be a business owner. What would you say though, since you've seen the transition? Um, cause I remember like I wasn't in business too long before Instagram. It was before Instagram. And I do like to be able to say that. Um, (laughs) But it was back when you had to like have like street teams passing out flyers. Mm -hmm. So I remember that struggle, you know, not too many of the struggles, but that's one that I remember. But what would you say has been like the biggest shift or lesson since your business has transitioned with social media? Because you're not just like on social media, you are like making, you have a movement, um, a worldwide global movement on social media. So what's been like the biggest lesson for you since the transition? You know, I guess because I was in business, it feels like forever before social media. Like I remember when Facebook came. I remember when Twitter came. I feel so old when I say that, but I remember these platforms. And I feel like I was one of the last people 
to even get on Instagram. My assistant at the time um, was, uh, I think she was about 25. And she was just like, you have to get on this new platform. I'm like, I just learned Facebook. Um, so I'm not really interested in finding another platform. So I was on Instagram much later than a lot of people. But what I will say is that once I got on Instagram, I realized, wow, you could really leverage this platform to grow even further. Now, one thing I've learned from doing business without Instagram and, you know, a lot of these other social media platforms and then doing it with these social media platforms is a couple things. First thing is, is that these platforms are massive. They are so powerful. Sometimes when people are like just coming in right now and they didn't know the before, they're just looking at it like, oh, this is another platform I got to learn. And I'm looking at it like, that's money. That's money. Every new feature, that's money. They have no idea what we were trying to do and how we were trying to reach people all over the world before you could just flip open your phone and, you know, start to do an Instagram live and you can talk to people all over or having something like MailChimp or several other platforms where you can email the first 2000 people for free. Um, I was on constant contact where you had to pay to email anyone one time. You know, that's what I started off with. So some months you're just trying to sit there and figure out how you're going to send an email to your audience. So these new social media platforms are amazing. And I would encourage anyone who's just getting into business. Like if I was getting into real estate and there was an Instagram live, I don't know how many houses I would have sold. Instagram live, I can basically walk people through a video, do, the, do a walkthrough. I can do like a virtual open house. I mean, it's just amazing. So I would encourage anyone who's just getting into business to leverage these social media platforms and get your money from them. Look at them as not a hassle or a new thing to learn. Look at them as money. Now, one thing that I've also learned about these social media platforms is that it can be hard sometimes for your customer to basically separate the wheat from the shaft because everybody can come out tomorrow. Somebody can come out tomorrow and just be like, I'm a coach. I'm a coach. You know, so you have a new set of competition or you have a new set of people who are just kind of watching uh, the aesthetics of what you do. And, you know, if you have an, a, a potential client who's looking from the outside and your picture looks like her picture, it's hard for them to tell initially What's the difference? Why should I hire this person over that person? I have a set amount of disposable income. Why should I work with this person? So I would suggest to, to anyone using social media now to make sure that you also leverage the platform to separate yourself from other people. You know, I always say, hey, you can copy my pictures. You can copy whatever. I don't really pay attention to that type of thing. But if we're standing flat-footed in front of some people, it's going to be hard for you to copy my brain and to teach people. So you want to make sure that you know your information, that you stay you know, well-versed in your industry so that when you get a chance to speak to people, when you get a chance to speak, you teach webinars, you do Instagram Lives, you do Facebook Lives that you make sure that your audience can easily tell the difference between you and someone whose picture look, looks like yours. So what would be your best advice for a business owner out there who knows their stuff, like their brain, they got that on lock, but their confidence, not so much. What is your advice for helping them um, boost their confidence or helping them help themselves and figuring out how they can really uh, gain that confidence so they can not sell themselves, but 
be able to walk in and, you know, know who they are and be able to charge their worth or, you know, say whatever it is that they need to say without feeling bad about it or shying away from it. Oh, okay. You know, it's so many different things. One thing I will suggest, because people ask me this all the time, like I always try to push up all my clients to do Instagram lives and everybody says the same thing. I hate doing video. Uh, What no one knows is that I hate to do video as well. Now, it doesn't look like I hate to do video. And, you know, I told them, hey, the way that you get better at doing video, the way that you get better at doing, you know, speaking engagements is by doing it. There is no book that you can read that will help you be a better speaker um, other than you just speaking. You know, I used to be an absolutely horrible speaker and getting my MBA speaking um, and doing presentations is more than half of your grade. And I got to a point in my MBA program where my teacher told me I was going to flunk out. I was going to flunk out because I was a horrible speaker. So it had nothing to do with how well I could do on a test. I had to also be able to present well. So what I did was I started to teach a home buying class every weekend and I did it for three years. I mean, I couldn't afford to travel at the time anyway. So I was home. I was in Houston. I did a home buying um, seminar every weekend. Well, that gave me an opportunity to practice my speaking, which helped me with my MBA program to become a better speaker. There was nothing I could have read to become, you know, a better speaker. I read everything about speaking. I watched other speakers' videos online. But the practice of doing something made me better. Another thing kind of, you know, still talking about speaking is that I speak from memory, Well, I speak from memory, not because I've memorized the entire speech, but because I've probably practiced the presentation a minimum of 10 times. Everybody is different with how many times you need to practice. And if it's a subject that you teach day in and day out, that may mean you need less time to practice. But what I was finding was I got a lot less nervous when I practiced multiple times. And another thing is that when people kind of interrupt you because they have a question when you're speaking, If you haven't practiced, that interruption is going to throw you completely off. So I've been thrown off, completely off before. And I realized the more I practice, I can kind of get right back on. So those would help me. You know, I just use speaking as an example. Um, I've pitched some of the biggest proposals of my life. One of the proposals that I pitched paid for my house cash. I tell people that all the time because I know sometimes people are like, I can never make that much money in one lick. Yes, you can, if you believe that you can. I'll tell you this, that proposal, initially when I wrote the proposal, I had a a lower amount on it. And then I started to sit there and think about what am I bringing to the table? You know, I am bringing an MBA to the table. I'm bringing experience to the table. I'm, you know, I started to list out what I had to offer and why this person really could benefit from what I had to offer in a tangible way. Not just, oh, I'm going to make their audience feel good, but I was actually going in and teaching a group of 300 saleswomen on how to build their book of business, make sales, and market themselves. That is worth millions to this person's company. And so I went into the presentation of pitching myself like, I'm not just coming as, you know, a pretty face. I'm coming as 
I'm about to help you make more money because I'm going to help these 300 women make more money. So I basically had to list out what I was bringing to the table and kind of going through that list with myself over and over made me a bit more confident when I came to the table. And plus with the proposal, before I hit send, I pulled it back and I added 20%. And typically with my clients, I'm adding 20% plus to their proposals because women statistically, unfortunately, we charge too low on most things. And do you think that has something to do with um, our confidence or do you think it's something about like the way that we are raised? Like, what do you think that is that makes it so hard for women to charge less or accept less, but men will like bet everything on themselves? You know, I think it has to do with all the above. I think it has to do with a little bit of how we were raised and also confidence. And it's amazing because women will go into someone else's company and whip it completely in shape, have everything running well and be like a key star player in the business. But then we get into our own businesses and we start to discount ourselves. We discount our talents, all of that. And the thing is, it's not easy for any of us, by the way. It's just something that if you really want to do this business, if you really want to move forward, if you really want to thrive instead of just survive, you just got to do it. And the more that you do it, the more confident you get. I remember when it was time for me, you know, to raise my prices. I was telling the client just yesterday because I want her to raise her prices for uh, the the new year. And I was like, when I went from 2400 to 3,600 for my biggest coaching package, I'm like, I'm going to lose all my clients. I'm not going to have any clients. I'm booked. When I go from 3,600 to 5,000, I really thought I'm about to lose all my clients. Nope. Booked. For the last three years, I stayed booked with an average of about 24 private clients every single month. That's not counting group coaching. That's not counting anything else. Now, with that said, I had to put more value out there so that people could know me, know what I have to offer and appreciate what I have to offer. Because sometimes we're putting ourselves low because people are also bidding kind of, okay, well, why do you charge this much? They don't understand our, our value because we haven't put ourselves out there. You have to keep in mind every day that you get up, there are gonna be tons of people in your industry trying to get the same wallet. They're trying to get the same piece of disposable income. So you have to put yourself out there so that people are able to tell, okay, I want to hire this girl. She is worth the money. If she does this on Instagram Live and that was free and I still got value from it, I, you know, I would be able to get a lot of value from working with her one-on-one or working for her with her in her group coaching. So you have to do your part as well. I couldn't just raise my prices and not raise my game or my knowledge. I pay a coach every single month. So it's like I have to increase and consistently learn and consistently grow so that I can confidently raise my prices and charge my work. So as a coach working with so many clients, not just in group coaching, but one-on-one, how do you, because this is a personal thing that I have struggled with, honestly, in 2018, is really being effective with other people and engaging with other people, but still managing your own business. How do you not get lost in your clients? It is so hard. (laughs) Uh, it's not just me okay no no let me tell you something that I implemented this year that helped a little bit um 
I, I've always had a virtual assistant. So that's one thing. But still, some parts of your personal business, you just have to kind of be, you have to lead it. So you still have to be very involved. Um, one of the things that I started doing this year, and I, again, every time I make a move on the coaching, guys, I want to say this because sometimes when you see um, our Instagrams, or our pages, you feel like, man, they are so much more advanced than we are. I want to tell you, I used to be looking at a whole bunch of people's pages, thinking the same thing. And I still have people's pages that I look at and I'm like, man, I need to learn more. I need to do more. But, and I have issues with, you know, confidence in some areas and, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing enough? So I just wanted to put that out there. So no one just feels like, you know, you know, I'm talking about the air in a different place. I've been there. But one thing that I did do, and I was really concerned about it, is I booked all of my coaching clients on Thursday and Friday. Okay. I only had one lady who couldn't do a Thursday or Friday, and she could only do Sunday just with the way her schedule was. But by the time the year started, she and I finished up, we had started the year before. So we finished up in about February. So everyone else, we coach on Thursday and Friday, point blank period. Okay. If you can't make it this Thursday, I'm going to, you know, move to the next Thursday or the next Friday. But it's something that I discuss with my clients when I'm onboarding them. Like these are the coaching days and my full-time coaching clients is four sessions. So we need to get them done within two months. So I really have to discuss this with them and get it clear so that they know we're going to finish, you know, your full coaching package in two months. And I coach on Thursdays and Fridays. So I need you to, you know, section away some time on your calendar and make it a priority. It helps a little bit. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I, I just feel like my brain is being stretched in so many different <sighs> directions. But that's a personal. That's a personal thing. But hold on, hold on. Guess what? It's all of us. Don't think. Okay. You, don't okay. think it's you. That makes all. me feel better. All right. <laughs> all right. So one thing though that does, um, you know, separate you um, from what I can see, at least. Um, from everybody else that's like doing business coaching, you're not just doing business here in the U.S. You are global. Yes. But once, what is one um, thing that you've learned, like one common struggle that you're seeing amongst women CEOs all around the world? Do you know women entrepreneurs all around the world struggle with charging their worth? Every country I have gone to, that is a thing. You can go to Africa, you can go to London, you can go to Dubai, you can go to Monaco. Women all over the world have trouble with charging their worth. That's why I think it is some of how we're raised just globally and some of our confidence in ourselves. So that um, has crossed all borders and um, it's something that has to be worked on. We have to just always focus on the value that we bring and make sure that we're consistently learning because if we're consistently learning new things, and growing our base of knowledge, it helps. It helps with the confidence area. Wow. I'm not surprised, but it's still shocking. (laughs) So on the flip side of that, though, what would you say is something that we can learn from the way they do business in Europe or Africa or, you know, somewhere that we haven't been? Oh, yes. Let's talk about the continent. I absolutely love going to Africa and multiple countries in Africa. Every time I come back from there, and I've been seven times And I should be going four times before June this coming year. I will say that their their mindset on and their work ethic kills us. 
it will kill us. They will put you to bed and continue to work. Okay. And another thing about um, a lot of women from uh, African countries is they will get a lot done with a little. Like I've seen women build out their website on an iPad or on, you know, a tablet where we have the internet, we have access to a computer, we have stable internet, we have a stable phone, we have a house, an apartment, you know, we have somewhere comfortable and safe to do it. And then I look at people who have none of those things. They have the most spotty internet possible. The lights go on and off all day, like in Nigeria, countries like that. And they still will take what they have, do their best, build out something. And they, you know, they have less excuses than we do. We have so many reasons for why we can't do something and why we don't have enough. And it's like those women, all they need is a hint, a whiff of an opportunity, and they are all over it. That's one major difference. Snatch the edges. All the edges. (laughs) Whenever I come back from the continent, honestly, I'm, I'm always like in super hustle mode, 911 in the Jackson household, because I think I work hard and I do. But then when you get around someone who works so hard and they have so much less than you, it makes you get your attitude together for real. That, and that's with travel, period. Like when you go to some of these places and you see the joy, the positivity that these people have with not even 10% of what you have, it's just like, girl, how could you have a bad day? Like, how could you ever fix your face? To complain about something, you know, it's just, it will get you together real quick. It will get your attitude together. <laughs> so how, how can we start to like bridge the gap between some of these amazing hardworking women in Africa and the, the ones of us who are willing to work hard here in America? Like, how do you think that relationship, because I feel like it's such a strain on the relationship, uh, unless you have, you know, um, family members in Africa, in my opinion, that's, or someone, you know, here in the community, those are your only ways to connect. I don't know of ways. um, And I'm sure there are some out there that are like bridging businesses, you know, from here to there, but what are some ways that we can just start to connect aside from social media, which is a great place to start? I would definitely get online. I would get on LinkedIn and I would, you know, take a trip. I know a lot of people are concerned about getting on a plane and taking a trip to an African country. It's not what you think. Yep. Like just FYI, all those countries I've been to, I I flew in alone. All of them. I've never flown into an African country with someone standing beside me. Um, I've had people meet me there after I've been there a couple of days. Um, The first time I went to Ghana, let me, let me tell you this story. I think it will benefit someone. The very first time that I went to Ghana, I was going to meet up with this mastermind group. I was um, a member of an online mastermind group. And out of the whole mastermind group, it was only like two or three Americans and everyone else was an entrepreneur in an African country. Okay. Well, they would meet up every month, every two months. When you're on the continent, it can you know, be a short plane ride, relatively speaking, to go to another country. Like if you're in Nigeria, it can take just like five hours to go to South Africa, whereas to go to South Africa from Houston is almost a full day. So when you're on the continent, you might want to travel to other countries. So it's kind of easy for them to go back and forth. 
Well, they would meet up every month, every two months in a different country. And I felt like, wow, I'm always getting left out. These people are partnering up and doing business together and whatnot. And I get left out because I haven't gotten on a plane and just gone to one of the meetups. So I decide, okay, they're going to Ghana. I'm going to go to Ghana. This is my first time in Ghana. Kid you not, I planned on going to Ghana, bought my ticket, I'm ready. Then all of a sudden, the mastermind group kind of sounds like they're not meeting up at that time anymore. When I started to get the kind of shaky feeling like, oh my goodness, is everyone still going to go and meet up? I've already bought a ticket. I had a decision to make. I could have just, you know, canceled my ticket, try to reuse it somewhere else or still go and make the best of it. I sat there and I went through my entire phone and I knew one person from Ghana. He was raised in London though. So I went through my phone, I contacted him and I was like, look, this is what happened. I don't know if they're still gonna meet up. I've already bought my ticket. I wanna come to Ghana. I wanna go on and put a plan B in place. My plan B was to do this whole media, you know, media tour if my mastermind group didn't meet up. He went on and set up everything for me. He was like, I'm in London, but I'll be in Ghana about two days before you. Just, it, it was a coincidence. Get to Ghana, my mastermind team did not meet up. No one came. So I only had the few people in the team who lived in Ghana and they didn't meet with me until my third day there. I went to Ghana. I was all on every news show. I was on their version of the Today Show. I was on all this media. My mastermind team was like, how in the world did somebody who had come to the country for the first time do this? But I just started to put a plan B into place when it felt like they were kind of shaky. Now, I will say I knew one person who was just, you know, from Ghana, didn't live in Ghana full time, but from Ghana. But what I can say is Ghana, I could have gone to on my own. Every time I went to Ghana after that, he wasn't available. He wasn't around. I went to Ghana on my own. I made connections in that first trip. I contacted a lot of people on LinkedIn. Instagram is really good for contacting people and making connections so that you can go, you know, and comfortably meet people. Now, I will say that if you want to do business in Africa, and I've made a video like this, it's on YouTube, and I go through just a couple of the tips. You do have to get boots on ground because there's only so much that you can do online, through, through email. You have to just go. You can't be scared. You have to go. And I will tell you, there is a lot of money on the continent. I, I would not have started thriving had I not gone. It was a big help to my Women CEO Project business. Now, before I had gone, flown there, I had worked with several African clients in Houston, Texas, in the real estate business. But going really changed the course and the momentum of my business. So I'm really glad that I went. Now, I will say this last tip about going to the continent. There are some countries that are a little bit safer than others for you to go alone or for your first trip. I would definitely probably start with Ghana. Go there first um, because the business women there, they are interested in our services. They're interested in working with international business women. They want to make connections. They're trying to figure out how their business can thrive. You can come back here and be an influencer for some of their businesses. There are, there are so many opportunities over there. So I would definitely, you know, advise anyone to at least consider it for 2019. So you mentioned um, LinkedIn and I have just like recently been telling myself like Instagram is cool, but I just feel like LinkedIn is where it's at. I keep yes. hearing everybody 
mentioning LinkedIn. So for someone like me who has like a profile, but literally ain't never been on LinkedIn, what is like your best tip for um, using it effectively? Okay, so go to your summary on LinkedIn and make sure the words that you want to be known for are mentioned multiple times in your summary so that you can start coming up for the search for that word. Okay, if you want to be known as a strategist, if you want to be known as a business coach, if you want to be known as a branding coach, whatever it is, make sure that those words are mentioned in your LinkedIn. Another thing, another area where I see a lot of people make mistakes on LinkedIn is they make their LinkedIn all about them. Some of the biggest deals that I've ever done, no one asked what my degrees were in. Okay, let me just say that again. Some of the biggest deals that I've ever done, no one asked what my degrees are in. So on LinkedIn, it's great that you have a degree. Yes, mention it at the bottom. Go on and list your, your degrees, your accolades, your awards, all of that. But use that summary to talk to your client and address their hurts, needs, and obstacles so that your summary is very focused because they're looking for solutions to their problems on your page. Okay, you want to start coming up for the person who can solve their problem. If you use that whole summary to talk about yourself and how many awards you've gotten, that's great, but you're going to totally miss your client. That's one thing. And the second thing that I would do on LinkedIn is that um, a lot of people are really scared to reach out on these social media platforms and you can't be scared. That's what they're here for. It's a blessing. That's what they're here for. LinkedIn is one of the best. And it's because people are like, if you, if you reach out to someone on Facebook, that could be hit or miss. You still should do it, but it could be hit or miss because some people are simply on Facebook for entertainment or for relaxation and not necessarily business. LinkedIn, people are on LinkedIn for the purpose of connecting, for the purpose of business. So if you reach out to someone, to someone, you have a better chance of getting a really good response. So I would suggest that you make sure to create, I call it like a hit list or a targeted list for the people that you want to do business development with for the year. Okay, I want to, I hope to speak with, you know, speak at American Express this year. Okay, well, who's the person who could hire you to speak for American Express? What's their title? Are you connected to them on LinkedIn? Okay. And after I make my targeted list, I'm going to reach out and send emails. I'm going to send a few emails every day, or I will take Sunday and Wednesday to fill out, you know, and send emails. And let me give you a simple script to, to send to people an email on LinkedIn. Hi, I'm Christy. I feel like there are some synergies in what we, you know, what we both do. I've looked through your profile. I really like that you did XXX. I want to know if you would like to pop on the phone for a 10 minute chat. Click the link below to see my calendar, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I would love to connect. I think that a lot of people overthink this. And when people reach out to me on LinkedIn and they say that, hey, we have some synergies or, you know, I, we, we're both in marketing or we're both in strategy. And I think that we could do something, you know, together. I take a look at their profile and I either say yay or nay. But for the most part, I, I've never been offended by somebody reaching out to me. It makes me aware of their profile, whether I want to connect further or not. And they had at least a 50-50% chance of getting me on the phone for a meeting and we could possibly do business together. Don't overthink it, okay? Just send a simple script, a simple reach out, a simple connection. If you want to do business development, you could just simply reach out and say, hey, after reading your profile, I think this article, this video, this post, this whatever would, you know, be of benefit to you. And then just kind of push them down 
you know, your sales cycle, your sales funnel and reach out to them on a regular basis. So I wouldn't overthink it. I would make sure that I reach out to people every single day. Well, I asked for a tip and you gave me several. I do appreciate that. That was good. I was taking notes. I hope y'all were too, because that was free game right there. Okay. Um, So I can't like have you here um, and not talk about this engagement because uh, first of all, congratulations, right? Yes, they are in order. And I I always say like from the beginning of time, I always said like, I want the money, but I got to have a honey to go with my money. And for you to be so bossed up, managing these multiple businesses, multiple um, projects and helping other people, you know, build their businesses, but still managing to create and nurture because creating it is one thing, but nurturing it is like a whole other thing. Create and nurture like a, a real relationship. How are you able to manage it all? And what advice do you have for women who don't believe that they can have it all? Ooh. Well, how much time we got? <laughs> okay, I will say this. Good question. Well, okay, a couple things. I had to learn this about myself. It's one very important thing. And I mean, no offense to anyone. You do what's best for you. I needed an entrepreneur. I dated the nine to five guy. That's cool. But I get up and I get on a plane all the time. I have um, four speaking engagements this in the next six months that are out of the country. I'm bringing him with me. If he um, worked a nine to five, he couldn't go, you know, and, and we work so much. You know, he has his own real estate appraisal company, he has the largest real estate appraisal company in um, Texas. Okay. He has his own real estate appraisal company for 25 years. He has his own business, has his own staff. He's busy already. I'm busy. He met me. I'm busy. I got my own real estate. I have my own women CEO project. Then when we got together a couple years ago, we didn't have business together then, but now we have a trucking company together. So, and it's in the early stages. We've just um, completed our third truck, purchasing our third truck and hiring our second driver. So it is a learning process. But I will say that that time, if I'm going to be gone for like 10 days, if he couldn't fly with me, that would be 10 days that we would be apart and lose connection. You would totally lose connection. But do you see what I mean? Where you're apart for these big gaps of time. So I learned kind of early on that it was better for me to date an entrepreneur. So we kind of have flexible schedules, kind of, you know, I just need internet connection, my Wi-Fi to work, a pretty, a pretty stable Wi-Fi connection and video. And I can work literally anywhere in the world. Other than having a live event, I don't ever have to be anywhere at any particular time. That helps. Um, and what I will say as well is, you know, we put out pretty pictures because we work with women and women are attracted to things that are aesthetically appealing. So I'm going to throw out the glitter to get you to read, you know, my substance. So, you know, do understand that a picture is a picture, but I don't want you to just look at the pictures and think that things are easy. When I tell you that relationships as an entrepreneur is difficult, it is very difficult, especially if you like alpha males, which I do, and most women entrepreneurs do, because we're already kind of strong. We kind of need a strong guy, too. You know, so if you like alpha males and then you run a business, there are going to be a couple areas where you may bump heads just because, you know, he might need to feel in charge. You might 
you know, need to feel in charge or you're used to making these major decisions for yourself and for your business on a day in, day out basis. And then when you get into a relationship, you got to kind of figure out what works for your relationship. So I will say that it has not been easy. Okay. And I was engaged before. Okay. I've been engaged a couple of times, but I was engaged a few years ago and I've had people ask me, you know, currently like, is that the same? No, it's not. I will tell you this. Sometimes if you don't get someone who is on the same page as you, when you have those periods of time in your business where you are uh, working a lot or you're busy, they may not act right. They may not, you know, you may find out more, you know, more about their character and their morals and, you know, any flaws or whatnot. So you need to make sure that you have a heart to heart with whoever you want to date. You make sure that, you know, you date someone who has a schedule that you really want and that... When I say the most important thing is probably that schedule, that's probably one of the most important things. You don't want to be living your lives so, so, so separately because it can ruin a relationship. And that's something you have to talk about early on. So I do suggest that um, I learned it about myself. And once I learned it about myself, I did better in in relationships um, because I'm still going to be a business owner. This is what we're doing. This is how I'm going to die. I'm going to die as a business owner. Um, It is the best thing for me. It's the reason why God put me on this earth. So I just need to figure out a relationship and a person who is equally yoked. And that is, you know, it's not cliche. That is a for real thing. You really have to find someone who you are equally yoked with and that you have similar goals. We both want to be retired in, um, you know, a few years. I want to be retired by 45. I have about seven years left. Um, he wants to be retired at 55. He just turned 50. So we are on a mission to kind of get that done together. You know what? I hope it helps. <laughs> that definitely helps. And I find that, you know, all these relationship gurus and quizzes we've been doing and all this stuff talk about so many compatibility things, but nobody ever talks about that lifestyle thing. Like uh-huh. if I cannot, if you don't understand what I have going on, if we don't, if our, you know, dream day doesn't even look a little bit similar, then it doesn't matter if we like both went to college and we both, <laughs> you know, did these other silly things. We got the Zodiac side. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> if our lives don't <laughs> mesh well. Um, such good, good advice. It doesn't matter. That degree doesn't, it don't matter. Yeah, that does not matter at all. <laughs> that whole thing about, you know, the most important business decision you'll ever make is who you marry. That thing is really real. <laughs> like the wrong relationship will ruin you. Okay. So ruin you. <laughs> you live and you learn. Um, okay. So before I let you go, I have to ask you if you can share just one or two books that you feel like are like must read for everyone listening, no matter whether it's finance related, business related, uh, spiritual, like whatever, just one or two game changing, life changing books. Okay. One of them is The War on Art by Stephen Pressfield. Um, I read that book in 2015 and I I, I would say that it totally changed some parts of my life. Um, That book basically helps you to understand your fear. And because, you know, I know a lot of your audience is, you know, women and, you know, it's one of the things that we we deal with the most. Like when I'm working with a woman entrepreneur, it took me a minute. It took me a minute to realize, man, I have to address her fear before we even get into these strategies because she ain't going to even hear me because I haven't addressed what she's coming to the table with. And it's the most, you know, pressing emotion. It's that fear. And when I'm doing things, when I'm doing these big projects, when I launch something new, 
it's not without fear. I still have the fear every day. I still have fear every night before any of my events because is anyone going to show up? Is, are things going to go well? I still have so much fear. But what that book helps you to do is understand how to place that fear and how to talk to yourself through that fear. Okay. So sometimes when you say, oh, I'm so busy and I'm procrastinating, it's actually just fear. When you can actually kind of look at yourself and understand why you're you're slacking, why you're procrastinating. Okay, Christy, you're not procrastinating on marketing that event because you're busy. You're procrastinating because you're scared no one will come. Okay, so that book helped me to realize, you know, why I was doing certain things surrounding fear. I absolutely love that book. Um, Another book that I really love is called um, The 10X uh, Principles by Grant Cardone. I read that book in 2016. And, you know, funny enough, Kevin um, was like, every time we travel, you have this little grungy red book. Let me see that book. Whenever I get a hard uh, cover book, I take the, the paper off because I know I'm going to bring it in a tub. I'm going to bring it to the beach. I'm about to mess up that book. I had that book to me everywhere for almost a year and I read it over and over and over. That book is kind of like, like Crush It some years ago was like a Red Bull to me. Like you couldn't read Crush It and just go to sleep. You, you read Crush It and then you're hype. You want to do some work. You want to like get to it. Well, this book is what you graduate to from, from Crush It. It makes you even that more excited about pursuing your goal and not giving up and making that one more call and pitching your business again and writing that million dollar proposal because you can do it and the money is already printed and it's just waiting for you. So those are two books that I would read um, as a new, current, aspiring, advanced, whatever type of entrepreneur. They will definitely help you in your walk. If you were listening real good, we got three books. We got Crush It, we got 10X, and we got The War on Art. Y'all heard it here first. Check them out. Uh, Christy, I have truly enjoyed this conversation. So glad we were finally able to get this. I know. <laughs> and I know that my ladies appreciate all of these gems that you've been dropping. Can you please let them know where they can find you online and how they can connect with you on social media? Absolutely. On um, Instagram, we are Women CEO Project. Um, our website, our main website is womenceoproject.com. And I am waiting to connect with you and give you any more tips or information, ladies. This has been another game-changing episode of Confessions of a Workaholic, meant to empower and encourage you to get that ass to work. Mm. You already have everything you need to get everything you want if you are willing to do the work. I love you. See you next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. 
For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.